Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. Hebrews 11, because we talk about it a lot. I drove in today <coughs> into the gate down here, and I was, I was re-energized by the slogan on the sign. It said, Welcome to the River, home of a gospel revolution. For those of you who don't know, I just got here. Miss Ann and I took, took the pastorate here the end of May, and uh, we've just been here for the summer, and we are loving this place, these people, this city, this church, our home. I sit out there in that little farmhouse, and Dallas, Texas drains from my veins. <sighs> For those of you who may not know, I'm an instructor at Christ for the Nations and have a full-time job there at the Bible College. And uh, Miss Ann really, really is the pastor of this church in every way except this way. And uh, so don't call me, call her. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll answer you back eventually, but she'll call you back right now, you know. So uh, it's just we, we, we make a great team, I think, and it, and it, and it works. Amen. Even Greg, Greg, I tried to tell him, I said, Greg, I have to put everybody on a priority list with, with when my phone rings and texts come. Well, I, he, he texted me or called me or something, and a few days later, he, he did both, he said, and then got to church. He said, you were right. You don't return calls, do you? I said, well, I do eventually, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm very, very busy, uh, and uh, I, I'm just thankful that you all have accepted us as we are. Because when I show up here to teach you, I am prepared. I'm not too busy to study and to dig and to bring something worthy of your time here. You understand? I know, I know you, you could be other places. I know you drove by several churches to get here. Thank God you're here. We have people drove all the way from Austin to hear me preach today. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Visiting here. But I want to talk to you about this message today, Hebrews chapter 11. It's just, I want to entitle it, Better for Us. Better for Us. This is difficult to get a hold of. But it is the driving force behind the missionary movement in America. Once Americans began to see how much better we had it here than in most places of the world, their hearts opened to those people around the world who did not have it so good. It's all right for you to know it's better, something is better for you. It is wonderful that you get a hold of that. But if you get a hold of that purely for your own purposes, as was already stated by, by Chris, then you haven't found the purpose of God. The purpose of God is to bring you into his family because he loves you primarily. The reason why God wants to bless you primarily is because, well, he loves you. I don't, I don't bless my children so I can equip them to work for me. I bless my children because I love them. Now, come on, can I have a better amen? The primary reason God wants to bless you is because he loves you. But secondarily, he does want to equip you and train you and grow you up to act like he acted in the earth. To be an emissary, to be a good representation of the king and his kingdom. Come on, somebody say amen. This is... This is so he's designed something better for us, if you will, a gospel revolution. Where... The gospel sounds so good, it's almost hard to believe it. 
it, when it's gospel means good news, but when you preach the good news as though it really is the only good news, some people, especially with religious mindsets, can't get a hold of that. It just sounds like too good to be true news. It, they, it, do they, what? Well, that sounds like you. we should just go ahead and sin that grace may abound. You understand, if you don't preach it that way, you're not preaching it the way Paul did because after he got through preaching it, he said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking we should just sin that grace may abound. So my point is this, preachers, listen, and Christians, if you don't talk about the grace of God to that measure, to make them say, well, you sound like you, you're just giving people a license to sin. If you don't preach it that far, you're not preaching it right because that's exactly how Paul preached it. He knew it would push the limits on their religious thinking. Until you get there, You've not, you've not really told what the gospel is. Verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. If I do right all the time, act right all the time, be right all the time, before I come to Christ, I don't need Christ at all. If I am right, I don't even need Christ. So why did he come? Did he come for only those who needed him? Or did he not come for the whole wide world? The answer is yes, because the whole wide world needed him. There is none righteous, no, not one. So, so my, my point here is that it's not about how it looks, how it tastes, how it smells how it feels faith is the present reality of a future hope it says that faith is a substance of things as a dallas cowboy fan i know what hope is <laughs> oh i know what hope is oh hope I hope, I hope Jerry comes to his senses and quits being the general manager. I, I hope, I hope. It's out there in the future somewhere. It's always out there. We're still hoping. 18 years since our last Super Bowl appearance, I'm still hoping. But faith doesn't leave hope alone. Faith is a substance, that is, that's something tangible right now. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. I think everyone has hope. We say people are hopeless, but I'm not sure anyone's ever completely hopeless. Everyone wishes things would change, and that is a form of hope. But faith does something with hope. It brings a right now tangible reality to what you wish would happen, what you're hoping for, what you want to happen, your desires. There's no way to bring it in the spirit realm. There's no way to bring that hope into the reality that you want it until you believe it. It's not, it's, it's, it's not just verbiage. It is the fact. That's how it happens. The moment you believe it, faith is the present reality of a future hope. We talked about this last week a little bit. Verse 2, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, I want you to know something. The Lord speaks well of faith people. He did, he's not just saying that the report came from everybody around them. Everybody, everybody started talking good about them. On the contrary, they did not talk good about Noah. They probably thought he was a lunatic. It had never even rained it had never even rained, and he's talking about it raining so much till it floods the whole world. If you had never seen rain, and somebody came and said, it's going to start raining, water's going to fall from the sky. Water doesn't fall from the sky. What's the matter with you, old man? What is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, water's going to start falling from the sky, and it's going to fall for 40 days and 40 nights and flood the whole world. I'm going to build a big boat. How many of you know his relatives are going to get together and call that wagon with the white jackets, you know? Yeah. He's lost his mind. So this is not talking about the report that everybody in the world had about them. It's talking about what God was saying about them. 
God gave a report. And it's written in the scriptures. God's report is written down. It's written down so that you can understand that God had a good opinion of, of, of the people of faith. I, I think about America nowadays. All anybody wants is to be famous. That's why, that's why the YouTube and, and Twitter and Facebook have just blown up. I don't know. There's something new. You, you do what? what? What is it you do besides Twitter? Oh, p p pictures. Instagram. Instagram. Now, I saw a, phone, a new phone, a new droid that you can take a photo of something and swipe your thumb down it and then thumb back up and it shoots it to somebody off over there. So it's just that fast. You can just send pictures just that fast. It's kind of amazing. Everybody wants to be famous, but most people think they should be famous having lived mediocre lives. This generation celebrates mediocrity like nobody I've ever seen. We just celebrate mediocrity because, you know, okay, the child lost, but we're going to give him a trophy for losing. I, I keep preaching the truth of the Incredibles, the cartoon. I love that little movie. You know, they're all superheroes, you know. Dad picks up the car one day, a little kid on a tricycle looking at him. They're trying to be incognito. He's got a little son who's, who, who's, who's faster than lightning. They call him Flash. Isn't that right? Flash. Flash is always doing these things, you know, just, just invisible things to torment his teacher because he can move so fast he's actually invisible. And his mom tells him, stop that. He said, what's wrong with being special? She said, everybody's special. And he said, which means nobody is. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Giving everybody a trophy is just one form of communism. Let's not teach our children that stuff. I'm promising you now. If you love communism and everybody being equal, you're going to hate heaven. Because the Bible teaches us precisely, you will be rewarded according to your works. And not passing out trophies to everybody there. No. Somebody's going to be mowing yards. I mean, anyway, I didn't, 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 <laughs> shouldn't have said that probably. Because I don't know about that. I, but I do know that, it, that, that it's not about status. It's about our work. Your rewards that you're going to get in heaven. Listen, listen, let's keep it straight. I hope I don't need to say this. You will never go to heaven based on your works. That's based on the free grace of God that you believed Jesus to give you. Hallelujah. The moment you believe that he died for your sins. Here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, not me. He was buried according to the scriptures. And he rose again the third day according to He rose. I didn't rise. He did. I didn't die. He did. I wasn't buried. He was. I didn't rise. You understand this? The gospel is not about you. It's not about us. It's not about what, what we do or our performance. It's all about what Jesus did and believing in him. The gospel. I ask Christians on a regular basis what the gospel is. They say, oh, turn or burn. You know, they, they give me some of these dumb religious answers they've heard. Like, like the gospel is about, like the gospel is about us and how we perform. The gospel, that's, that's the old news. That's not the new news. That's not the good news. The good news is that somebody did it for us. And there's miracle power attached to it. Paul said it like this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is something like the power. No. It is capable of letting the power in. No. It is the power of God unto deliverance, unto salvation. Anybody wants to be famous? But the Lord speaks well of faith people. It's one thing to have a good reputation here. It's dangerous to want to be, faithful, uh, to be, to be famous in southern Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. They, they, say, they say, if you ever hear 
a southerner say, hey, y'all, watch this. Those may very, those may very well be his last words. <laughs> Amen. Fame has a price, but it's not the fame the Bible wants or the talks about. This good report they got was, was the opinion they, that God had. Can you turn to, can you on the computer turn to uh, Malachi 3.16? How many of y'all know John 3.16 is true? I think Malachi 3.16 is true. By the way, there are other things in Malachi 3 besides tithing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody gets nervous. Don't anybody leave, lock the doors. We're not talking about tithing. Then those who feared the Lord spoke one to another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord. Now that, that phrase, fear the Lord, in the Old Testament means believe God in our, in our day. You understand that? Fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Wow. Imagine the books they have since Christ died of the millions, maybe even billions by now, of people who think on the Lord. Right now, they are gathering the books. Can you imagine what Sunday morning must be like in heaven? Yeah. Slow down, I can't keep up. Anybody know shorthand? I mean, they're, 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 they're writing it all down. All of our thoughts... Heaven must be a busy, busy place on Sunday morning because everybody's thinking about the Lord on Sunday. Just thinking about Him. See, you know why that, why that is? You receive a great revelation. You receive a greater revelation from God the more you think on Him. The more you think on him, the more he'll get. And he keeps record of all that. He keeps record of the times that you think on his name. You want to be a blessing to the Lord? Worship him, praise him, pray. But what about just thinking about him? And getting a good report by the way you think. Amen. I think if we spent more time just meditating. If you meditated on him and his stuff, can I say it that way? His kingdom, his concerns, his purposes. He would make your dreams and desires come to pass. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Am I helping you today? All right. Verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Thirdly, God created the worlds by faith. I've looked this up as clearly as I can get it, and it does not say we understand by faith. The best definition of this is that by faith God created the worlds we understand. You do understand by faith, and if you, if you like that definition, you can hold on to that one. I won't fight you over it. But the, the clearest meaning isn't about our understanding by faith. The clearest meaning is that God was using faith when he created the world. That God was using faith when he created the worlds. He had to be. If faith is the power of God, if the gospel is the power of God to everybody who believes, it's not the power of God if you don't believe. It's the power of God if you do believe. You understand this? Then there had to be faith working in God when he said, light be, he had to know and have a confidence on the inside that that word was going to go out there and become what he wanted it to be. That's really good right there. Somebody ought to write that down. I didn't know I was going to say that. That's good. The Lord had to have his own confidence that when he said something, that something that went out of his mouth was going to go out there and become what he was saying. We have a nice building here. I think we've got a really great facility here. Both my sons pastor larger population churches than I do right now. Right now. Right now. I think we're going to be eating our dust before long. 
Both our churches are larger in population. But when they come up here and saw what facilities we have, they go, ooh, ooh, Dad, I'll trade you. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. They, they, love this, they love this place. They love the... Now, who wouldn't? But this, this building did not just happen. You go back to its beginnings. What, 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 how, what brought this building here? Money? Yeah. But that wasn't the beginning. Oh, oh no, you had to... I know what it was, preacher. We had to get an architect and draw it. Okay, but that wasn't the beginning. Well, we had a business meeting. Okay, but that wasn't the beginning. Somewhere, if you trace it to its beginning, somebody said, we're going to build a church house. Somebody said there's supposed to be a church house on that property. Somebody said, we're going to build a church. They began to talk church house, and then everything else proceeded after that. Then came the drawings, then came the money, then came the cooperation, then came the tractors and the contractors and all that. But it starts with saying it first. Nothing is created without saying it. Anybody in here married? Can I tell you something? You're going to stay married the way you got married by saying the right kind of words. People that stop saying the, the right kind of words, they get married one way, but they try to stay married a different way. Hello, fellas, listen to me. I'm talking to the men now. Can I talk to you guys for just a minute? I know. I've been married 42 years to the prettiest little German Fraulein you've ever laid eyes on. Man. I saw her the first time when she was 11. Dang, she was so cute. I just, I just couldn't get over it. I just, I just, so I kept her. About three weeks later, I guess it was, something like that, we got married. Uh, <laughs> well, we're from Oklahoma. You get married young, you know. Praise God. And she was the only girl in town that wasn't related to me, so... <laughs> somebody asked me one time they found out I was smoking you know, I've been in Texas all these years somebody asked me said if a young couple from Oklahoma moves to California and gets a divorce are they still cousins I said well I don't know I don't know <laughs> but, but most people most people get married with all these sweet words I promise I will I do I love you I'll lay down my life here's a ring I mean I, I'm going to start this by giving you a big rock you know I mean everything's real Real sweet and upbeat and positive, you know. And sometimes that lasts all the way through the honeymoon. I've known couples when it didn't even make it through the honeymoon. You understand? And if that, if that kind of thing does not last through the honeymoon and on into the marriage, if you don't try to stay married the same way you got married, you're not going to stay married at all. Listen to me. God does not play the used car salesman bait and switch. All come in by the free grace of God. Just believe. Sola fide, the cry of the Reformation, which built Western civilization. Martin Luther wrote his 95-point thesis. They nailed it to the Wittenberg Castle Church door on October the 31st. Hallelujah. We might as well celebrate Halloween or call it Reformation Day. October the 31st, 1517, nailed it to the Wittenberg Castle Church door. And the cry of the Reformation was, only believe, faith alone, sola fide. Come on, let's make a friend of the phrase so we can say it together. Sola fide, it's Latin, sola fide. Yeah, I had to be told what it meant. We don't speak Latin in Oklahoma, do we? Pig? <laughs> Amen. Believe. We, 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 we teach people, just believe. Come in. It's free grace. But after we get them in, they said, now, if you're going to get to go to heaven for sure, you've got to start doing this. Grow this out and cut that off and be here and do that and pay that. And How many of you have had that kind of experience? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, they were so gracious at first. Then they became Frankenstein monsters with chains and whips. Oh, I preached the gospel to a young man one time, walked out of the church and was hit by a truck. Yikes. It's scary, but it's just Frankenstein preaching, if you ask me. Monstrous. It's criminal doctrine, Charles Spurgeon called it. Criminal doctrine. What kind of used car criminal are you? 
I'm not saying everybody who's a used car salesman is a criminal. You may, be, you may sell a used car. Just be honest. That's all I'm saying. But it's, it's, a, it's a typical sales tactic to get them in one way and then bait and, swi- bait and switch. Religion has bought into it. Can I say to you, the Bible doesn't buy into it. You stay in the same way you get in, by faith, through the grace of God. Woo! You ought to high-five somebody and say, that's good for you. That's good for you. God created the worlds by faith. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. So sacrifice is only valuable if it is offered by faith. Do you know that Cain also offered a sacrifice that same day? And it doesn't say that Cain's was by faith. Whatever it was, there's all kinds of debate about what he actually did, how he came late in the course of time, and all. I've heard all that. But Hebrews chapter 11 simply, simply puts it like this. Abel offered in faith, Cain didn't. Abel offered believing that what he brought, God would accept. Cain, pff, he just brought something. He's just religious. And it is the difference between those who are religious and those who know their hearts are turned toward God and they believe what God said. It's pure and simple. It couldn't be simpler to, to, do it, to, to live by faith and to walk by faith. And here's the, here's the thing. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Did he not? Let me ask you then, if, if, he said, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, unless you become like a little child. Then he said to their parents, unless you become like a little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom. So if entering the kingdom, you must, if upon entering the kingdom, you must be like a little child, then why would the instruction book, why would the instruction book on the kingdom be so complicated that only theologians could understand it? It's not that complicated that only theologians can understand it. The reason Jesus said what he said was because most people stumble over this issue of faith. They want to make religion so complex so as to give their brand of Christianity a distinction that nobody else has. Had a guy ask me one time, what's the name of your church? I told him the name of the church. I, I said, well, the name of the church? I guess you'd call it the church of God. And he said, no, I mean, what's over the door? I said, so you think the church is a building? <laughs> well, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, well, then why do you care what's over the door? He said, well, okay, then, then what's the, what name do you go by? I said, the name of Jesus. <laughs> he said, so it's, so you, you call your church the church of Jesus Christ? I said, oh, no, we don't do that. No, no, no. He said, well, we do. And I said, who's we? He said, the real church of Jesus Christ. I said, I said I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you, here's what I want you to do, fella. Open your Bible and show me that phrase in the Bible. Just show me that phrase in the Bible, the church of Jesus Christ. I want to see that in the Bible. And the moment you show me in the Bible that it says that, I'll be exactly what you are. I won't even pray about it. I'll just repent and let you, let you guide me to heaven. Right. <laughs> just open your Bible and show me where it says that phrase. In fact, I want you to open your Bible and show me where it says the church of Christ. It has to be exact. The church of, just show me one place where the Bible says that. I said, you thinking? He said, I don't want to get in an argument with you. I said, oh, yes, you did until you found out I know more than you. You did want an argument. <laughs> What you don't want is to be beat up. <laughs> Amen. I don't care if it's of Latter-day Saints or future saints or yesterday's saints or whatever. That phrase is not in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, why is it a big deal to you? Everybody understand this? Amen. It is called the church of the firstborn. It is called the church of God. It's called the church of the living God. Praise God. As far as I'm concerned, it's called the river. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I don't care what you call it. I just want to know that when I get there, God is blessing me, amen, and, and, and equipping me and changing me. And good things are happening. Sacrifice is only valuable if it's offered by faith. By faith, it says verse 5, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, what that says is that even death is not stronger than faith. He had this testimony that he pleased God, and he was translated that he should not see death. By faith, he was translated that he should not see death. Even death is not stronger than faith. Let me say to you, they'll, they'll tell you out there in the world, it's just two things you've got to do. You've got to pay taxes, and you've got to die. They came too late to tell Enoch that. <laughs> he, he never had heard that. Don't let the world put the seeds of doubt and unbelief in your heart. Keep believing this. By faith, you overcome even death. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to heaven when I get ready to go to heaven. The devil's not going to take me out when he decides. You understand this? Oh, well, but what if your number comes up? You're going to have to show me that kind of theology in the Bible again. I just don't believe it because you say so. That's just not in the Bible. The Apostle Paul never once ever said, Oh, Timmy boy, pray for me. Nero's about to cut my head off. If, if it was some way out, I wish I could get out of this. No, 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 no. Paul said, The time of my departure is at hand. Nero breathing down his neck, threatening to kill him, and did eventually. But Paul never, never recognized that. He said, The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That sounds like victory to me. That doesn't sound like a guy who, he's already been stoned. He was beaten with rods, 295 is if, I, if I counted right. Any one of these beatings has, has killed men before. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a venomous snake, and everybody thought the people who lived there knew what kind of snake it was and expected that he would just fall down dead. He just shook it off in the fire. What's going to kill this guy until he gets ready? And by the way, he was stoned by Jews. They are out to kill this guy. They killed lots of people this same way. He survives it. I don't know if he survived it or not. All I, I mean, in fact, didn't die. I don't know that. All I know is if he was dead, and I kind of think he was, he just didn't stay dead. I think they killed him, but he wasn't going to stay dead. You understand this? Paul knew Nero couldn't kill him until it was time for him to give it up. I think you've got to get your heart set on that kind of thing. The Bible does not promise you a number, and when your number's up, God's going to take you out, and there's nothing you can do about it. I do not believe that. The Bible says he'll satisfy you with long life. He did not say he'd satisfy God with you having a long life or a short life. The Bible says he said he'll satisfy you with long life. Why do we give in? He's going to satisfy you, James, a long life. You're going to torment these speeders until they start driving right. <laughs> Praise God's highway patrol. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You're going to stay as long as you want to. Now, there may come a time, my mother's saying, I'm ready to go. She said, I am ready to go. Mama, you really ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. And I said, well, there's a way to do that without committing suicide even. Just start talking to Jesus about the fact that you're ready to go. Yeah. When you get ready, that's between you and him. That is not my decision to make. I know a guy who everybody said, oh, you're supposed to live to be 70 years. Listen, <laughs> you need to get rid of all those numbers and just say you're going to go when you and Jesus are satisfied, when you're ready. That is not my business to say. 70 years, 120 years, whatever you like, just pick a number. I don't care. But it's not the will of God for you to have your life cut short. I know a guy who, who, who died at 67. Everybody thought that was too young. But you know what? Come to find out, he was satisfied. He was satisfied. He had done more than most in, in that one short 67 years than most people could do in three or four lifetimes. He's the founder of Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. Gordon Lindsay. Had written hundreds of books. I, do you kids know, anybody know how many books Gordon Lindsay? They're graduates of our institute as well. You had Gordon Lindsay books at Rayma, I'm sure. 
Amazing. He'd done, he'd done so much. He'd lived three or four lives in 67 years and went to heaven. Got done. Got finished. Amen. You get ready to go when you get ready to go. Amen. So, I just had to tell you all that today. Even death is not stronger than faith. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a, okay, and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. I want you to hear this. How many of you know it's important to believe that God is? He puts on parallel with believing in the existence of God that he is good and does good things to you, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. It's not enough to believe that he is. It's only enough to believe that he is and that he rewards. Most people believe that he is. Believe that he is. They believe that he is, but they also believe that he's going to get them one day. That's not faith talking. Oh, I, I believe in God, and I'm terrified. I'm a, any talk of the second coming, any talk of the, of the end times, people just get all fidgety and nervous because they've been so, they've been so Frankenstein preached that God is so angry and judgment, you know. I just, I'm not saying judgment isn't coming, but let me say to you, when you are in Christ, your judgment has passed. The Father passed judgment on him for your sake. I said the Father passed judgment on him for your sake. So you could come here and receive the word, not to keep you straight, but to help you grow. Come on, somebody say amen. Not just to keep you straight, but to help you grow and help you find your purpose in life. Because everybody in this room does have a purpose. The only way you don't have a purpose is just that you don't know what it is. If you don't know what your purpose is, it's the same as not having one. You understand what I'm saying? People live their entire lives. How many stories have we heard of, of, of poor old grannies that just, you know, barely getting by, meals on wheels had to keep her alive. and She just died alone and sick in her house, and they go into her house and they find a million dollars in the walls or in the mattress or something. What? Apparently, she didn't know the purpose of money. I guess it made her bed more comfortable or something. I don't know. I've read dozens of stories like that. Yeah. Old men that had millions of dollars in cans in their house but wouldn't fix the, fa the leaky faucet. Your purpose in this earth is in your relationship with God. And that's why we keep coming to church. God brings clarity little by little by little. Clarity little by little by little. The Bible is kind of like an elephant, like eating an elephant. You know, you just got to do it one bite at a time. You're not going to eat the whole elephant Im immediately. You just got to do it one bite at a time. And it takes a long time to eat a whole elephant, I'm sure. The last time I tried, it, was, it took me a long time. Pleasing God by faith means to believe that He is a rewarder. The kingdom of God is a rewards-based kingdom. I already, said, I already said the kingdom of God is not a communistic state. It's not a communist state. Nowhere did Paul ever teach us that we were supposed to do what they did in that first church in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they, they lived communally. They brought all the money together. You notice, though, six chapters later, the Gentile churches are taking up offerings to send to the poor saints in Jerusalem. Communism didn't work then. It doesn't work now. It won't work in heaven. God didn't design it. And it didn't say we were supposed to do that. It just said that's what they did. Well, you live and learn. Hopefully we lived and learned. America is going the wrong direction because they apparently did not learn that truth kingdom of god is a rewards-based kingdom and luke chapter 15 and you don't have to turn there but jesus tells three stories that's why i love to tell stories because jesus told stories luke chapter 15 by the way this guy right here everett barnhill he scored 100 in my homiletics class it's very hard to do very hard to do i'm going to give him a service one of these days and let him preach and show you what 
what he can really do. Amen. Speaking of, he's a great illustrator. But uh, I love to tell stories because Jesus told stories. And in Luke chapter 15, he told three stories to make one point. He told the story of a shepherd that had 100 sheep and one of them got lost. And he went, left the 99 and went after the one. He told the story of a woman that had 10 coins and lost one of them. Apparently her dowry had lost one of them and what she did to find it. And then he tells the story of a man that had two sons. You notice that on all three of them, he is moving us into a greater progression of understanding the truth of the kingdom. First one is a hundred sheep. Okay, something valuable, but not near as valuable as a dowry, not even close to as valuable as a son, but something valuable. But it was only 1%. Okay, that's just one level, 1% of something valuable. The second, the second, he takes them to a deeper level of understanding. Now she's lost 10% of her life's worth. Not actually, but that's, what, that's the way it was translated. Her life's worth was in those 10 coins, those 10 gold coins. And she's lost 10% of them. And then you get to the last one. These two sons. This is not the man's life's worth. This is the man's life. His two sons. And he's lost half of them. Wow. The power of those stories help us understand the truths. The truths not of a prodigal son but of a forgiving father. Oh, he was forgiving. There's no question about that. But there's something really powerful in what he said to the son who was still at home, who got mad about the big party that daddy threw for the, for the rebel when the rebel came home. Remember what he said to him? He said, son, everything I have is yours. You never even threw me a party. He said, oh, why do I need to throw you a party? Everything here is yours. You understand this? If you don't access what God has provided, that is not God's fault. I want to read this little story to you. One of my mentors years ago wrote it. His name is John Garlock. He wrote the materials that I teach in homiletics at Christ for the Nations. It's called The Frodigal Fun or the prodigal son in the key of F. Feeling footloose and fancy free, a feather-brained fellow forced his fond father to fork over the farthings. <laughs> he flew far to foreign fields and frittered his fortune, feasting fabulously with faithless friends. <laughs> Finally, facing famine and fleeced by his fellows in folly, he found himself a feed-flinger in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famishing, he fain would have filled his frame with foraged food from the fodder fragments, meaning... I'm ready to eat their pig slop. Phooey! My father's flunkies fare far fancier, the frazzled fugitive fume feverishly, frankly facing facts. <laughs> Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, he fled forthwith to his family. Falling at his father's feet, he floundered forlornly. Father, I have flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favor. But the faithful father, forestalling further flinching, Frantically flogged the flunkies to fetch forth a fine, the finest fatling and fix a feast. The fugitive's fault-finding freighter frowned on the fickleness and the fickle forgiveness of former falder all. His fury flashed, but fussing was futile. The, father, the far-sighted father figured, such filial brotherly fidelity is fine, but what forbids fervent festivity for the fugitive is, is I don't have to have a drink of water mercy me <laughs> I out all my liquid <laughs> so it's filial fidelity is fine but what forbids fervent festivity for the fugitive is found unfurl the flags with fanfares flaring let fun and frolic freely flow former fa for failure is forgotten folly forsaken forgiveness forms a firm foundation for future fortitude thank you very much anyway verse 7 
By faith Noah, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. One person's faith can make an impact on the whole world. You living in gold medal status helps everyone near you to be better. In 1980, a boy named Eric Hyden skated and won numerous gold medals. No one could touch him. He was five gold medals, to be exact, in the Winter Olympics, 1980. That was also the year the Americans beat the Russians. Impossible. A bunch of kids beat these professional hockey players and won the, won the gold medal. I don't know if you all remember that, but it was a big deal. Eric Hyden also won five gold medals. And every person that skated against him skated their own best time ever. If you want to be all you can be, get around the people of faith. If you want to be the very best you can be, hang with people who believe God and his promises. Amen. Because they will impact you. You say, well, I'm not there yet. Well, just get where they are. Amen. Stay in church. Stay with the people that talk to you about praying and believing God for miracles and wonderful things to happen. Get with those people. You'll see your life will begin to get better. You'll see your life will just go up, and you'll start skating your best time. Amen. Verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. So my eighth point is this. Faith connects us to the unknown and the unseen abundance of God's blessings. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but believing God connected him to unseen and unknown blessings of God's abundance. Verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That means that faith works best in the strange land of promise. Our former pastor here, Pastor Curtis Coker, Preach that like nobody I've ever known. Stay in the promised land. Stay in the promised land. Stay in the promises. Don't get over there in the legal portions because Jesus nailed all that to the cross. And when he nailed those ordinances that were against us to the cross, all he left for us to find in the scriptures were the promises of God. Every promise God ever made, he made to you. If you have a lack, there's a promise to cover it. There may be 10 promises to cover it. If you have a need, God's already addressed that need with promises, praise God. Dwell and live in the promises. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, that our word to you was not yes and no, but in him was yes and amen. Amen. For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and in Him. Amen. Glory to God. The amen means so be it. Praise God. Verse 10 says, He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That means if a man can build it, he does not need faith to have it. There were lots of cities when, 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 when Abraham left his homeland in Mesopotamia, land of Ur, of the Chaldees, and, and when when northward, northwestward up the Euphrates River and made the journey into what we call the Fertile Crescent. The Fertile Crescent is the stage, if you will, for basically all of the Bible story. Everything from Mesopotamia up and back down into Israel and into Egypt and then back. They call it the Fertile Crescent. That's where things would grow. In between is desert. But that's all along the waterways is where the, where the land was very fertile. And, uh, and, and, they, and, and when, when Abraham left, there were, cities, there were cities all along the way. There were places all along the way. There were, there were lots of places. But he was looking for a different kind of city. He was looking for a city that was populated with the people that God would populate it with. He wasn't looking for a place that had buildings and streets. He, uh, he was looking for city as in a place of people. God wasn't 
wasn't promising him just a family. He was promising him that his people would become the city set on the hill, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's the, king, that's the city that Abraham was looking for, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let me say to you in verse 11, you need to understand this. Men routinely judge God, but faith people judge him faithful. All through my years, I've heard people say, well, I don't know why the Lord would allow something like that. And whether you actually commit the crime or you're just committing negligent homicide, you're still guilty. So men on a regular and routinely, on a regular basis, they judge God for doing evil things. But you can judge God like Sarah did. She judged him faithful. God is faithful. I have some questions to ask him when I get there. But standing on this side of glory with, with limited revelation, I still say God didn't do that evil. God didn't do that bad. He did not pay the price he paid with Jesus coming to die for our sins and taking away our shame. He did not pay that horrible, unthinkable price only to let bad things come and cause bad things to come upon the people of his covenant. Amen. He is a good God. Come on, shout it out. He's a good God. He's a good God all the time. Amen. Verse 12, Therefore, Sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. That means seeds have multiplying power, but faith seeds have exponential power. Seeds have multiplying power, but faith seeds have exponential power. Glory be to God. You know what exponential means? When it starts compounding upon itself, the line just turns up at one point and goes out. It, when I was a boy, I had a smart aleck school teacher who said, we're going to pretend, children, today we're having a math exercise. And you're going to learn about, the, about uh, the exponential power of math. Okay. You know, we're all like 12 or 13. Okay. Exponential. I thought it was a special way to cook eggs. <laughs> the exponential power of math. Okay? Tell us, teach. I'm going to give you the option, she says. I'm going to hire you to work for me, each one of you, for 30 days. And I'm going to give you the option of how you're paid. I'm going to either give you, pay you every day $1,000. I said, I want that. <laughs> I want. At the end of the month, I will owe you $30,000. I want that right there, right now. That's what I picked. She said, or I'll give you a penny the first day, but I promise to double the amount every day after that. So a penny the first day, two pennies the second four pennies the third day, and so on. I went, hang all that business. No, no, I'm not doing No, I want the $30,000. I was thinking I'd buy me some licorice. <laughs> Hold it up, boy. Yes, yeah, I was wanting something like that right there. Penny won't buy it, but $1,000 will. Y'all know what happened, don't you? I don't know what the number was, but something like $2.5 million the other guys got. Because by the time it gets about halfway through, that line turns up, becomes exponential. If it ever gets, if it ever gets to $100,000 or $50,000, boom, man, it just goes wild. Wow. A million dollars one day, the next day's two million, the next day's four million, the next day's eight million. It is exponential power. You understand that faith has that kind of component to it. It starts out slow. But once it gets going, there's no stopping it. That's why you have to be patient with faith. Just be patient. 
Well, I believe God. I tried and it didn't work. Well, you didn't get to the, you didn't get to the exponential curve. You've got to stay with it. While you're making a penny, while you're making two pennies, while you're making four pennies, while you're making eight pennies, you've got to stay with it. Sixteen pennies. It still doesn't seem like much, but here in a little while it just turns up and goes through the roof. Glory to God. That's the power of believing God. It's the power of believing God. It has exponential power. Now look at verse 13. I want you to see this, and I'm almost finished. Please bear with me just for a couple of more moments. I know it's nearly 12, and you're all hungry. I hear your tummy's growling from here. Well, that's mine. <laughs> anyway. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. They all believed, hear me, they all believed but did not receive the promises. Most of religion is going to make you say, going to make you stop right here and say, see, you can't always expect it to come to you. Sometimes you believe and then die waiting. Oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, pa pardon me. Every one of these people he's talking about are people under the old covenant. You've got to read this whole chapter to find out what it's actually saying. This is such good news, it's almost hard to believe. Look down at verse 32. We're going to read from 32 through 40. And I'm finished. Can you hang with me? Verse 32, and what shall I say more of the time, because time would fail me, he says, to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Look at verse 40. God, having provided some better, something better for us, that they should not be made complete or perfect apart from us. Now you know what the gospel really means. Now you know why what we have is so much better. Don't stop and act like that you are over there under that old covenant that's supposed to believe your whole life and die without getting anything. That was for them. We have something better, praise God. We have some. Jesus never once ever taught faith as a grin and bear it sort of way to get through life. Oh, just keep on believing. I know. Oh, you know what? One of these days you're going to get in that pool and probably drown in there, but hold on to your faith, buddy. Not what he said. Every single time, I, I teach this in Bible college, every single time Jesus taught anything about believing or faith, it was about how to overcome and win in that situation. Have the power of God released to deliver you and make you bigger. He does not teach faith as a grin and bear it sort of thing. Amen. That's all a religion does. Grin and bear it. Hold on to your faith, buddy. You're going to die, but hold on. No, 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 no. It's not what the Bible teaches. God having provided some better thing for us. Think about it. Something better than going 40 years without, without having to buy shoes? I know some of you raising kids wish, wish that was working for you right now. It, 40 years without buying shoes? Not a weak or feeble one among the three million that came out, came out of Egypt because they had a covenant they had a good covenant. Come on, let's say it together. But I have a better covenant. They had a good covenant, but I have a better covenant. Come on, let's say it together. They had a good covenant, but I have a better. Father, thank you for your people. 
Thank you for this word today. Thank you, Lord, for helping the people of God rise to receive. Thank you that our hearts are growing even as we hear the word and, our, and it is producing faith for overcoming lifestyles. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us life and more abundantly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the victory. Thank you for the victory. Thank you that you provided some better thing for us. Better thing for us. Why don't you stand up on your feet? Let's worship him a little while. Thank you, Jesus, for your people. Thank you for the power of the Spirit released here in this place. Let the river flow today. Let the river of your grace flow in this place to manifest these miracles for the people of God. Just reach out by faith and receive what you need from God. He's here to make meet your needs. He brought you this word because he wants to fix things for you. He wants to set things right. He wants to influence those people who have opposed you and resisted you. Let the glory of God come. We have the blood that stands between us and the judgment of God. We have the name that is our defense against the enemy, but we have the glory that defends us against the onslaught of the world. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus' name. Thank you for your people. Thank you for each one here today. Let this word bring forth fruit to change lives and to make things better. 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 Thank him for your covenant. Why don't you in your own way just thank him for the covenant. Thank him for the covenant. Thank him for your covenant. Thank him for the blood of Jesus that made this covenant an everlasting covenant. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.